you are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 29, Irma Bordeaux, Vegan Nurse Practitioner on Achieving Breastfeeding Success. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant based nutrition habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Health IQ. Thank you so much, Health IQ, for sponsoring Veggie Doctor Radio. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that can save you money on your life insurance for simply living a health conscious lifestyle. You can find out more about them at healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor. See if you qualify and use the discount code veggie doctor. And don't forget that the salad challenge is coming up. It starts on April the 16th seven days of eating at least one salad per day. Check it out at veggiefitkids.com forward slash salad challenge, or you can find it on the homepage. I can't wait to see pictures of your salads with hashtag Dr. Yami salad challenge. This week's guest is Irma Bordeaux. She is a pediatric nurse practitioner and board certified lactation consultant. She was born in Bosnia and Herzegovina, spent some of her childhood in Germany, and has been in the U.S. since she was 11. She has worked as a pediatric nurse, working in both acute and chronic care prior to becoming a nurse practitioner five years ago. She has special interest in plant-based nutrition, obesity, pediatric HIV, sexual abuse and trauma, teen health, and her favorite, breastfeeding. Irma struggled with breastfeeding her own child with issues such as milk, soy protein intolerance, and tongue tie problems, but nonetheless was able to persevere and breastfeed her child for almost two and a half years. She is now passionate about helping other mothers achieve their breastfeeding success. So on to this wonderful conversation with Irma. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. <laughs> this is my friend, Irma Bordeaux. And I can't pronounce the other part of the last okay. name. How it's, do you pronounce it's it? It's Solimanovich Bordeaux. Okay, Irma yeah. Solimanovich uh-huh. Bordeaux. Yeah. And she is a nurse practitioner, but today we are going to talk about breastfeeding. But before yes. we get into it, welcome Irma Thank to the show. You. I'm so honored to be here. And I know you're a loyal listener of the podcast. Yes. So this Every is kind of cool. Now you're Every on the week. opposite end. Mm-hmm. You are 
will you listen to your own, do you think? I don't know. I think that would sound really creepy. I used to be a telemarketer. Oh. And um, every so often I would listen to my own recordings and I did not sound anything like myself. (laughs) Well, you do get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Before we launch into what we're going to talk about today, which is breastfeeding. Sure. I'd love to hear your story about how you started on your road to veganism and how that's evolved, how your diet, how your way of eating and living has evolved over time. Sure. So I, I'm originally from Bosnia and you don't find a lot of vegans or vegetarians in Bosnia. So I grew up on a lot of bread, a lot of dairy, um, not like excessive amounts of meat, but we would have like stews with big chunks of like beef and all the fats like regularly. Um, But around my senior year of high school, um, I had a good friend who was a vegetarian and she actually tried to create some changes in our high school to create more vegetarian options actually. So it was really cool. But um, I challenged myself to do what she did and um, I eliminated meat from my diet. So for about let's see, 10 years or so, I didn't consume meat. Um, And then I had my son about three and a half years ago, and he had a cow's milk intolerance while I was nursing him. And so I had to take out dairy for my diet, which at that point I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing for me to eat. Um, because I consumed a fair amount of dairy, I think. And, um, so, so that forced me to essentially eat a vegan diet. Um, so in that sense, I felt like it was easier for me than if I just did it by choice randomly. Um, I wanted to feed my kid Mm -hmm. and I didn't want him to have formula. So that, that was kind of my shortened version of that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, yeah, for my son and I are both vegan ever since. Wow. Mm-hmm. And do you think that you would go back to eating dairy or is this where you'll stay for now? Um, no, I have, I have no desires. I, there's so many non-dairy cheeses nowadays. Cause I love those like artisanal, like, quality kind of cheeses you would go to you know to whole foods and you do little samplers of the the cheeses that was my favorite um but there's so many good like cashew based and like cultured cheeses Mm -hmm. that taste just as good if not better Mm -hmm. like like mayoko's cheese and i've Mm -hmm. had that Mm -hmm. that is the a treat for me but i don't have that regularly yeah no and it has fiber and antioxidants in there which Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. which is great yeah well it's interesting that it was the breastfeeding that <laughs> launched you into your mm-hmm. vegan journey. And that's something that you're very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Why are you so passionate about breastfeeding? So I grew up in Nebraska and I, the place I was at um, housed, there was a lactation facility. So there was like five lactation consultants there, a pediatrician and everything you can imagine breastfeeding supply wise. So they had your pumps, you know, breast nursing pads, like everything. Um, and so I, I saw one of their lactation consultants immediately. And I saw one for at least every week for like two months. And I had 
super awesome support there. And I don't think I would have breastfed as long without their help. So when I moved to Yakima, I felt like we were lacking that severely. Mm -hmm. And I wanted moms to have that support. Now we do have, you know, we, we do have some support, but it's fairly limited. Um, so I decided that I was going to become a lactation counselor and get, you know, more educated in this department. And then um, I just recently became board certified as a lactation consultant. So I just want to keep going. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I just, I really wanted to create something similar as far as support goes for moms here. And I'm, I'm part of the, our local breastfeeding coalition. So we regularly discuss what our deficiencies are and how we can improve this and how we can promote provider knowledge for breastfeeding. Because mm-hmm. um, that's, seems to also be a big deficiency here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations. I know that you worked really hard and studied really hard Mm -hmm. to pass your test, and I'm really, really grateful to have you here. Why is breastfeeding so important? Well, first off, um, it's, it's our most natural source of human food, right? It has all our vital components that babies need. It, it has our, our proteins, our, our fat contents, water contents. Um, moms pass their immunoglobulins and antibodies through their breast milk to the baby. So it's like essentially you're vaccinating your baby that first couple of months. Um, so it, it is the most digestible thing you can provide for your infant to provide them the growth and development they need. Versus, you know, I, I know formula companies have improved what they've done compared to you know a couple of decades ago um but it's still junk Mm -hmm. you know it's um primarily cow's milk based um has you know corn syrup and uh, it they do they do try to remedy some of the junkiness by providing all the essential electrolytes and things like that but um it's it's still not as good as breastfeeding your kid but um you know we we all kind of know like you know you should breastfeed your kid right it's like yeah you should stop smoking right it's not healthy to smoke um it's it's healthier to nurse your child um but the reasons we we should do it is because babies are less likely to be obese to have type 2 diabetes to have you know sudden infant death syndrome, lower respiratory tract infections, ear infections, um, and for mommies it's also good. So for moms, you're less risk for type two diabetes, uh, for ovarian cancer and breast cancer. So it, it benefits both. Um, so that's kind of why we we try to promote it as much as possible. And yeah. once you get the hang of it, oh, actually yeah. it's also easier mm-hmm. than having to prepare a bottle. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very portable uh-huh and cheaper uh-huh because formula is expensive yeah. it adds up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah there's there's studies that show so you know i talk to moms about this all the time and, and i say well I, I want it to be easier I, i'm going back to work um uh, it, you actually get 40 more minutes of sleep nursing your infant than you would formula feeding which is like mind-blowing when i read that <laughs> but yes so if you think about it you have to buy more supplies you have to sterilize more things you know, ideally you're supposed to sterilize your equipment every 24 hours. 
So like, I don't know a lot of people that do that. Mm -hmm. um, ideally, you know, what the can say you're supposed to do is use gloves to, um, to prepare the formula because you can contaminate the floor, uh, the formula if you don't. Wow. So every single time, and I don't know any parent that does that. I've never even heard uh, of that. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> ideally how you're supposed to prepare formula in addition to sterilizing and then and then you know then you have to warm your formula you have to haul it everywhere you go and there's so many times when i'm in practice and a baby is clearly hungry and i don't have any formula for them and the parent didn't prep any and bring any with them so it would be so much easier just pull out your breasts and feed out your child right there and then absolutely yeah, yeah so that can that 40 minutes of sleep you had me there <laughs> Because um, I know that sleep deprivation, whenever you have a newborn or a young child, oh, yeah. can be a really mm -hmm. big thing that mm -hmm. once parents get past that, it's like mm -hmm. life-changing, mm -hmm. you know? How long, ideally, should we aim to breastfeed our kids? And based upon what you've learned and sure. the you know extra experience you have, is there a time when maybe it's getting to be a little bit too long? So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends breastfeeding exclusively for the first six months, okay? And then at six months, we start introducing solids or when your baby's developmentally ready. So then you, you still nurse, but you may not nurse eight to 12 times a day. So they recommend breastfeeding in general for that first year of life. The World Health Organization recommends two years. And part of that too is... Um, Mommies should ideally wait about that time frame to have another child. Mm -hmm. So for, for your own um, health and repair, I guess I should say, um, it's that two years. Now, what I, what I ideally would encourage any mom is, is to have their own child self-wean, mm -hmm. which, which, which can be at two years, maybe less, maybe more. But when I tell moms, especially the first time moms at like our very first appointments to nurse for a year or two, you know, that sounds so daunting. <laughs> like I'm going to do it this, this often every day for two years. Like that sounds so terrible, but it's different when you're nursing a one-year-old, you might be nursing that one-year-old three times a day, which is nothing compared to what they did prior. And babies become so efficient. They go from, you know, feeding for 30 minutes to like five minutes at a time um, because they, they remove that same quantity faster. Um, so it's, it, it doesn't become as much of a problem then. Um, so that's kind of what I, what I tell mommies. Um, yeah. And is there a time that you think that we should be encouraging if they haven't self-weaned? Can it be too long ever? I mean, I've heard of people going like six years before. You know, there's, I've, I've, I've heard of a study that the average cessation of breastfeeding internationally is 4.2 years. Wow. Which is like insane. Um, but again, you get to that point where maybe like your two or three or four year old might just like nurse like right before bed to kind of put themselves to sleep. So again, it doesn't become excessive and you're not harming your kid you're providing them human milk so there is really no deadline i know there was that 
was it that Time magazine where a mom was nursing her like four year old mm -hmm. and he was on a chair and mm -hmm. it looked so unusual for yes. this big of a kid. Yeah, it was very nurse. it was very controversial yes. at that point. Yes. But no, there's absolutely no harm. It's it's just our own cultural stigma which exists here, but not in a lot of other countries where breast milk and breastfeeding is normal. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. What is the most common mistake that a new breastfeeding mommy makes when they're starting to learn how to breastfeed their first baby? We, we think breastfeeding is this innate, natural ability that us as mothers and as babies just know how to do. <laughs> and we don't. We, it's something that we have to learn and the babies have to learn how to properly latch on, suck and swallow efficiently to remove that breast milk. So one of the most common problems is a poor latch. You know, a baby just latches on on that nipple, doesn't get around the areola, and so moms have this nipple pain, and it continues, and it gets worse, and then they get to the point where they're, like, almost crying by the time the baby wants to come on. They're like, no, I don't want to do it. Let's just do the formula. Um, so first and foremost, I always tell mommies, get lactation help right away in the hospital mm -hmm. so they can look at the latch and see if it looks okay and see if they can help you right away. Um, when I started off with my son, I was under the impression that some pain is okay. And so I tolerated it and I tolerated it and it just kept getting worse and worse until I got to the point where I was crying beforehand. Like I just can't. And so um, my son also had a deep tongue tie. And so it just, it felt like a war, like a large worm was trying to squeeze out of my nipple every time he lashed on. <laughs> that sounds very pleasant. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> um, but so I ended up exclusively uh, pumping for him for the first two months until he grew and his mouth grew and it didn't hurt anymore. Wow. Yeah. We were given the option of releasing his tongue tie, but the pediatrician at the time um, said she had about a 40% success rate with, with the deep tongue ties. And so we didn't feel like it was enough. So I persisted and I was really stubborn and kept going with the pumping. Wow. Yeah. And then you had the courage and the bravery to latch him back yeah. on, which is a whole I just kept trying. Different yes. Thing. yes. Okay. So basically what you're saying is the most common mistake is assuming that pain is okay mm -hmm. and then just tolerating it until it gets to the point where it's so painful that moms might actually quit and yes. give up. Yes. So get help as soon as you mm -hmm. can from mm -hmm. your lactation consultants and get help frequently and often mm -hmm. because sometimes yes. the problems may last longer mm -hmm. than you think. And so trying to continuing that support can be essential. Definitely. And it's about 60% of moms have problems breastfeeding that first two weeks. Wow. So that's a huge number. Um, it, it tends to get easier with, you know, your second or third kid, but even those babies don't know how to do it yet. So even though you might know you, that baby still needs to learn how to do it properly every time. And every baby's different. Yes. So you might've had a baby with a tongue tie and the next one might not, or mm -hmm. a small mouth mm -hmm. or, you know, the latch is different. Mm -hmm. So every baby really is different. I think yeah. what you get with each subsequent pregnancy and baby is just that you just have experience yes. having a baby and knowing yes. what it was like once 
And so that does give you, mm -hmm. it helps decrease the anxiety a little bit, I think. I think so. I, I definitely see a lot more moms that have an easier time with their second and third kid because they knew how hard it might have been initially with their first one. So they knew what to expect. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is a lot better this time around. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. So I want to take a break here to tell you a little bit more about this really cool life insurance company called Health IQ. You can find out more about them at healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor. And they can help get you lower rates on your life insurance. But you have to take their Health IQ quiz. What's also cool is that you can get additional savings by submitting actual data such as race results or data from Strava or RunKeeper or other apps. So they know that people that live a more health conscious lifestyle are healthier and have a lower mortality rate. So it's a win-win situation. We're saving them money by being health conscious. They're saving us money. And I love that companies like this exist because that means that there really is a power to diet and lifestyle in helping everybody. So to find out more and to see if you qualify, visit healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor and use the code veggie doctor to see if you qualify. All right, now back to the show. Okay. As a specialist mm -hmm. in breastfeeding, what are the most common problems that you encounter that come to you? Cause they've already gone through the first level of yes. their primary care. Yes. So then they get sent to you. What kind of things do you experience on your end? So for the most part, you know, these moms uh, are, are giving birth in the hospital. So they may get lactation assistance like on day one or two of this baby's life. And then they can utilize those same services up to that first month. So this is, this is just what is happening here. But, you know, in your areas it might be a little bit different. So our clinic sees babies for their well-child check at two weeks. Every so often we see them sooner and this is actually something we are trying to change at this point so we can see them like on their day three to five visit um, when we can intervene with some of the lactation stuff um, sooner. So when I see them, you know, another pediatrician may have already seen this baby and noticed this baby was losing weight. Uh, mom is having a hard time breastfeeding. And so they'll, they'll refer to me to look into that. And so my goal then is to keep encouraging the nursing, but at the same time, assisting with a supply increase if that is a deficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you might see things by that point. Sometimes there's still tongue ties. Mm -hmm. There's still mm -hmm. um, issues with the latch, not having a deep enough latch mm -hmm. and, and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Is any breast milk better than no breast milk? What do you mean by that? Oh, like any is, other animal? Based? No, no, I'm saying no. is what I'm saying is there are some moms that have to supplement. Oh, sure. And there's, yeah. you know, they either yeah. because of a milk supply issue or because of a latch issue, whatever. Mm -hmm. Is it better to continue to give whatever breast milk you can? Totally. Yeah. And just quit altogether. Even if you can do an ounce a day, that's amazing. Because like I said, that first two months or so, uh, you are transferring your awesome antibodies to your baby. So they will be more healthier down the road. Mm -hmm. um, no, it's, it's, it's tons better if you can do just a little bit, even if you can pump a little bit mm -hmm. versus just doing the formula. Um, introduction of formula 
causes a lot of gut disruption to our babies. So it affects our gut flora. They're typically more colicky, more fussy, and it takes them a good two weeks once we eliminate the formula for them to start feeling better. Mm -hmm. And so most parents don't understand that, and they introduce formula like once or twice a day because we're worried we're not making enough, and then they're creating some of these symptoms and changes in, in their bowels. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about supply issues. Sure. What are some of your tricks to help moms boost their milk supply and how will they know if they really are having a low supply? Because I see that a lot. I see moms coming in, they're like, I don't think I make enough, no. but yeah. really most of them do. So oh, yeah. how, how, how do we tell the ones that really aren't making enough? Uh -huh. And then for them, what tricks do you have up your sleeve to boost the supply? Sure. I think as moms, we all have that perception. And I, I, I think it's rare that I see a mom that doesn't think she's not producing or that she is yeah, not producing enough. I think when my son was even one, I thought I was not producing enough for him. So even that late on, mm -hmm. you just, you just, you have that assumption because you visually don't see this milk coming mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. and you just kind of base everything on their behavior. Now, a really good reassurance is your well child checks. So you, you know, you bring your kid in when they're three to five days old or two weeks old, and then they're two month well, and you see their growth charts and then you see they're following those appropriately. When I start to get worries, when we start to see a decline, mm -hmm. like, oh, what's going on here? Um, so we, we feed our babies eight to 12 times a day or on demand. I don't encourage logging or keeping track or anything like that. Um, every so often I'll ask a mom to just to kind of get an idea to see if we are somewhat deficient, but sometimes, you know, we have a decrease in supply. Let's see a mom's just feeding six times a day and the baby's just sleeping all through the night and not catching up during the day. And then we see a decline. Um, yeah. And then of course, when we introduce formula, every time you do a formula bottle, you're not telling your breasts to produce that volume unless we're pumping. So even if it's just a couple of bottles, you know, you're telling your breasts to only produce against six feedings in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, some mommies um, become pregnant and that can sometimes dip our supply. So we'll notice that also. But um, what I tell moms is one, for the most part, I reassure them with their growth chart. Mm -hmm. And if that's fine, um, then we, we just watch it. And if, if we have really anxious mommies, I tell them to come see one of our nurses. We'll put your baby on the scale and just make sure we continue to follow. Mm -hmm. I was one of those super anxious moms that did pre and post feeding weights, <laughs> which does, does not help anxiety at all. So I don't recommend that to anybody. Um, so that's, that's number one, is most of the time there's not an issue. But number two, we try to figure out, you know, are you feeding your baby on demand when, when they're showing hunger cues? And then we watch for the wet and poopy diapers and make sure that we have enough of those. Uh, and then how's your baby acting? You feed your baby and it, does your baby fall asleep? Do they act content afterwards? Then, then we're good, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, again, I don't try to do any timing, you know, we need to be on 30 minutes on this press and 20 on this, none of that. Mm -hmm. And then... What you should do is when your baby's on your breast, you'll hear that sucking and swallowing. So initially your baby will suck, 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 and then, oh, there's a letdown. And then you can hear that kind of noise. Mm -hmm. And that's how we know they're efficiently sucking and swallowing. Um, as far as 
boosting milk. So let's say we maybe introduced formula or, you know, we didn't maybe feed enough or there's something going on initially and we have to boost supply. Uh, my favorite little handout that I like to give to moms is called, it's a triple feeding regimen. And I encourage, you know, feedings on demand eight to 12 times a day. So putting a baby on breast every single time and then supplementing. So supplementing can be with breast milk or formula, depending on how low we are. So initially it might have to be formula um, until we get enough uh, pump breast milk. So what I tell mommies then is to pump about eight times a day at the minimum amount that baby wouldn't typically eat um, for about 15 minutes on both sides. And what happens with, with breast milk, we make the volume based on demand. Mm -hmm. If the demand is there, it signals our breasts to create that volume. Mm -hmm. So we can do that with a pump. And initially, you know, a mom might see like half an ounce and an ounce or whatnot. And then slowly you'll start to see that creep up. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do that for about a week or two until we get enough supply that the baby's content enough on the breast alone. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my more extreme thing that I do. That's, you know, very time consuming. And, you know, I, I did something similar with my son. So I totally know how um, time consuming that can be. Um, otherwise, as far, you know, you'll see a lot of stuff online, you know, mommy groups on Galactigo. So your milk boosting supplies, mm -hmm. tons of stuff on that. Um, you know, you'll find a lot of over the counter things, you know, lactation cookies and mother's milk tea. Um, my general advice is not to consume any of those products. There, there are some of some of the herbs like fenugreek can assist in lactogenesis, so the, the process of milk production, but it doesn't, it doesn't do it completely, if that makes sense. So it kind of initiates it, but you don't actually produce. Mm. Um, and then it's completely unregulated. So you'll see your, your, your teas and they'll say, well, consume this amount. And then you'll see your tablets and it'll say, consume this amount. And it makes you smell like maple syrup. And if you're taking any medications, um, it can reduce the effectiveness of those medications. So I, I try not to do any of those. Um, the only thing that I think is safe that has some maybe potential for milk boosting is oatmeal. Mm -hmm. And so if you eat oatmeal for breakfast, I'm totally cool with that. Just don't do it all day long. Well, <laughs> but what if you put fenugreek um, spice in your oatmeal? I mean, I don't think it's necessarily going to harm. It's it's just not going to. Boost. It may not actually no. do. What it's really think. we're we're like animals. We supply and demand, demand supply. If that's there, we will produce. So just like we decline on our supply eventually, we can also reverse that. Okay. You know? So then, for your triple feeding regimen, you're putting the baby to the breast yes. first, then you're pumping right after. You can do it right times. after, or um, what I used to do is I tried to hit. Uh, two pumps in every six hour time frame. So like 6 a.m. to noon, I hit two pumps. They could be an hour apart. It doesn't matter. You're just tricking your breasts. So it doesn't have to follow your baby's schedule. Okay. And every time you're putting your baby on, um, that baby's signaling your breasts to produce mm -hmm. also. So um, so you're working in, and that's why I said it might take like a week or two because you're working on both of those ends. Now there is also um, something called a supplemental nursing system. Mm -hmm. And I know there's different companies. I know Medela has one. I did use a makeshift one when I was uh, with my son. 
And it's essentially, it looks like a little tiny IV bag you can wrap around your neck with, with breast milk in it um, or formula. And then there's a, there's a tiny little, um, like almost like a feeding tube that you can attach to your nipple. So your baby is then latching on your breast and getting some of that milk that you have attached and signaling your nipples to produce breast milk. So they may be potentially getting that formula and breast milk at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. But just to clarify, because yes. I think I heard two different things. How sure. many times do you ask moms to pump? Eight times. Eight times. Minimum. Okay. Yes. Eight times minimum yes. in addition to putting their baby to the breast. Yes. Unless okay. I feel like we're just like slightly in between, we just like need a little oomph, then I'm like maybe like three or four, but it's, it's just patient dependent. Okay. Yeah. So you're right. That is time consuming. Oh, yeah. Mom's mm -hmm. going to have to be prepared to mm -hmm. be patient and mm -hmm. put in the time during that. Okay. Totally. That is great information. Mm -hmm. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Mm -hmm. Is a mother's diet important? during breastfeeding? Should we even pay attention to our diets when we're breastfeeding? Totally. I think when we, when we have a new baby, we, I, I know myself, I initially ate a lot of frozen meals, even if they were just vegetarian. I, 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 just, I didn't have time to make food, right? So I, I think it's nice when we have family and we have, you know, local doulas we can, we can utilize to help prepare meals. Uh, but yes, yeah, so as, as moms, you are producing breast milk, which requires you to consume more food, about 500 more calories a day to produce that breast milk for your infant. Um, and I think, uh, I can't quite tell you how much with twins. I want to say it's like 800. Um, so you're, you're hungry all the time. You're thirsty all the time because your body has to produce this breast milk. But I produced breast milk for almost two and a half years for my kiddo on a vegan diet. And, you know, I, I ate more foods that are probably, yeah, well, obviously are uh, lower in caloric density. So I ate more frequently, but I, yes, just like any other adult, we're, we're supposed to eat our fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, and whole grains every single day. And then try to reduce the amount of processed food. You know, even, even like a cup of coffee is okay, but nothing in excess. I know I met one mommy that was drinking lots of monster drinks throughout the day mm. and the baby was really fussy. I'm like, no, we should lay off of that. Mm -hmm. So we still have to take care of ourselves because even though it might be in a minuscule amount, some of those components are still transferring to your infant. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we don't want that. Now, something really, really cool is the more of a diverse um, food, like the foods you consume while nursing, the higher likelihood that your child's palate will increase down the road. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Because some of those flavors are transferred in the breast oh, milk, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So if you eat your veggies, mm -hmm. you want your child to eat veggies, mm -hmm. you have to start with yourself yes. first. You got to get those habits in. And even when you're pregnant oh, as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's super important. What supplements do you um, recommend for moms that are breastfeeding? What should they be taking? Um, so I, I don't work in the OBGYN department, so I don't typically do a lot of recommendations mm -hmm. to moms. I do, I do recommend the vitamin D since breast milk is deficient in vitamin D. Um, for the most part, I do recommend moms continue with their prenatal vitamins. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, um, if, if they're a vegan, I would recommend the B12. Um, but that's really essentially it. I don't 
No, I don't do a lot, a ton of supplement vitamin mm-hmm, recommendations mm-hmm. at all. Well, and that's what I was looking for yeah. is just to make sure that moms are continuing to take their prenatal mm-hmm. vitamin An extra B12 mm-hmm. for the vegan moms mm-hmm. is important. And then I've heard some moms coming at back at me lately and telling me that they've been told by their doctor that their vitamin D supplement is enough for their baby that the mom's taking Mm -hmm. and that the baby doesn't have to be supplemented with vitamin D. Yes. What have you been saying about that? So this is a a newer recommendation by the American Academy of Pediatrics. So what I initially I I do is I ask moms, one, are you vitamin D deficient? If so, we can't go this route. But if if not, or they've never been indicated this, moms can consume 6,400 IUs uh, vitamin D every day, and that will be enough to remove 400 IUs for their infants via breast milk, which is the daily recommendation for babies. Now, you know, we do see a lot of vitamin D deficiency, so I, I kind of like that because then it boosts mom's vitamin D, they're, they're less fatigued, and their babies are getting the vitamin D they need. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so 6,400. Six, yep. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, every day. Every day. So a lot of my moms will take like seven or 8,000. I have some that go up to 10,000 a day. Okay. So mm-hmm. I will start telling that to my moms as another option. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have to be pretty high dose though. Because yes. if they're on the lower dose, it's not no, going to be enough. No, you can't do 5,000. It's not going to be reliable. No. Yeah. Okay. You touched on caffeine a little bit, but I sure. want to know a little bit more about limits on caffeine and then also let's talk about alcohol sure um you'll find uh, yeah especially the alcohol is super controversial but uh the coffee you know i again i try not to do it in excess so if you're the the monster drink example like don't do that um but a coffee day is totally fine um but just in general don't do anything in excess Mm -hmm. um because you want to hydrate you know your 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 body will constantly tell you to drink water Mm -hmm. and since coffee is a diuretic your body will tell you even more so Mm -hmm. so mostly water Mm -hmm. but yes if you love your coffee that's totally fine Mm -hmm. yeah your your baby is not going to be extremely fussy because you are drinking coffee and the and the alcohol again so many different things you'll find online especially mommy groups is um you'll find a lot of things about you know a not to consume and b to limit consumption and if you do consume you need to pump and dump after you know this many hours generally speaking um if you consume any alcohol you can consume about a glass or two of wine or like a beer a day and it will not be detected in your breast milk wow okay so i what i usually do is I, for the most part i tell my mommies like you can have a glass that's okay you don't need any one of those alcohol strip detectors and um you don't definitely don't pump them down oh wow you're educating me today Irma, because i've been telling them the pump and dump okay no. so if one glass but if you're if you're getting to the extreme level so yeah don't don't have like cocktails or you know questionable alcohol content drinks um so i would definitely lay off on that but um yeah you 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 can um the 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 strips you know they sell those strips online or whatnot they found that women who have not consumed any alcohol will show up positives on those strips so they're not accurate and they've also then there's different guidelines on pumping and dumping and so you'll still sometimes find 
alcohol content if it, you know six hours or 24 hours down the line so again there's no good guidelines on mm -hmm, that so mm -hmm. if we stick to the one or two max you know we're, we're okay okay yeah. well great yeah. my moms will be so happy <laughs> that's wonderful okay especially awesome. Napa Valley. <laughs> I, I know there's wine is very popular yeah. here and people when they abstain from their whole pregnancy are very anxious to get oh, yeah. back to their glass of Definitely. wine so it's good because i hate having to tell people to pump and dump because yeah. that's just oh, yeah. painful because breast milk is like gold well the thing with pumping and dumping too is is um ideally we should kind of store that milk as, a, as opposed to dumping when when we dump you know we're we're less likely to even continue mm -hmm. and so we we think of it as as a waste or infected or whatnot mm -hmm. um, when we we shouldn't do that and yeah. my, my whole thing with with breastfeeding is to create less rules and and less restriction um, yeah to make it easier yeah and to make yes. it less anxiety provoking yes. i think that's yeah. wonderful even yeah even when you look into medications and drugs you know for the most part when we pull up information on on most medications it's safe, safe. in breastfeeding mm -hmm. it's yes. really not transferred so we yeah if we think about it that way yeah and i recently had a mom quit breastfeeding because she was told by her doctor oh, that yeah. she couldn't breastfeed during it was mm -hmm. heartbreaking to me uh -huh. oh yeah she got back to me very late after she had already quit so i couldn't reverse it at that oh, yeah. point and it was something that would have been completely safe mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so one more i just want to address myths this is perfect because you are you are helping to dispel myths for me how about exercise some mothers especially the really athletic moms that they're training for marathons and they're building up a lot of lactic acid they read online they've heard from their family members is especially common in like latino population that that is going to make the baby irritable um, to breastfeed after that they, they've exercised. Is there any truth around that? No. So don't worry about that. Nothing. No. I mean, I know in pregnancy, you know, they, they don't recommend that, you know, you, you've never been a runner and suddenly you want to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. That's probably not the best idea. Right. So you continue what you've been doing. And I know I exercise with, with my son and you know, you still continue to produce. Now, because you're exercising, you know, you're losing some calories, so you pr your consumption maybe ha has to go up with foods, but um, no, there's, there's no restriction. Does it change the flavor of breast milk at all? Have you heard any of that? Not that I know of. You know of? Perhaps, okay. but not that I know of. I mean, it's just really interesting because yeah. I get that question a mm -hmm. lot. And I have had mom say that after they exercise that the baby's like, eh. and I was like, maybe you're sweaty or something. And it's well, salty. yeah, if it, there's salty. Know? Yeah. <laughs> salty, totally. salty doesn't mix, you know, as well with the sweet breast milk. Totally. Very good. Oh, this is wonderful. Okay. Anything else you want to say about breastfeeding before I ask you a couple of personal questions about you? Sure. I mean... I, when I see moms, I can, and, and I see their struggles, I feel like I can relate to most of their problems. You know, my kid was tongue tied, my kid um, was colicky, my kid had a cow's milk intolerance. And so I can relate to all of those issues, you know, I pumped. And so my, again, my goal is to help those moms because I can relate to those issues. Um, and my little tidbit as far as breastfeeding success is wherever you're at is look for, and this, this is all going to depend on like where you want to deliver, but in the hospital setting, look for hospitals that are breastfeeding friendly. So what does that mean? That, that means that their, their staff members have been educated on so many hours on, on breastfeeding in addition to their lactation consultants they may already have. 
Um, so they're, they're more prone to promote breastfeeding and encourage breastfeeding and not, you know, force formula on you right away. And then seek out help immediately. You know, those people already there in, the, in, the, in that setting. Um, ask for them to come see you in the room. Um, check out a latch, see how things are going, and then continue to follow with somebody, whether that's um, we have maternal home health nurses here that are lactation consultants. Uh, we Again, we have the hospital-based lactation consultants. We have uh, our local WIC programs have lactation providers. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're in existence, and we just sometimes don't know about it. You know, I attended support groups who are with breastfeeding moms, and that was really helpful. Um, so just engaging in all of those things and continuing to do that, you know, at least until we get over that little hump where we struggle until we feel like, okay, I got this. Yeah. Um, so that I was just going to mention that one of my goals um, is we, one of our local hospitals is in that initial level of breastfeeding friendly and they've now created breastfeeding friendly clinics and they have similar designations and criteria for that again uh, requiring staff members to be educated in that department creating breastfeeding policies and really just letting moms know that hey we're cool with you breastfeeding mm -hmm. and we'll encourage it and promote it because i know about it more so that's, that's been my goal is to create that within our clinic. Um, yeah, and you can, you can check that out. There's lots of clinics nationally that have that designation already. Um, so that's what I would promote for moms that want to have that success. Oh, that's wonderful. And I, and I love your tip of get support as mm -hmm. soon as you can mm -hmm. continue to get support. Don't feel like you have to be alone in no, this because it's it, like Irma was saying it, it's not one of those things that your baby's born, pops out, and it's like, ah, you know, like magical breastfeeding from then on out. 60% mm -hmm. um, of moms mm -hmm. struggle those first mm -hmm. couple of weeks, so don't feel alone. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for your passion and generosity in that area. This is very helpful. I want to know what personal habit you are most proud of. How did you obtain it, and how do you maintain it? Oh, gosh. I actually, so I have a... I, there's, I have a habit app nice <laughs> that I frequently change. Um, it, so I think it's, we create habits when we do something consistently for like 21 days, mm -hmm. I think is what it is. Mm -hmm. So my little app, you know, I do different things on there, but you know, I check mark off every time I do it. And then it kind of becomes a habit. So now I, to the point where I'm like rarely on that app checking things off because I'm already doing it. Mm -hmm. But um, something that I've, I guess, made into a habit slash enjoyment is, I know we've talked about this before, is meal prepping mm -hmm. and batch cooking. So it's, it's every Saturday or Sunday, I make a few meals for our little family and I, you know, I, I double the recipe and then we have lunches slash, you know, sometimes dinners for the rest of the week. I, uh, we're, we're lucky that one of our local uh, grocery stores has um, a click list. So I write out my list of things I need to prep for the week and the recipes I want to make. And I save so much more money doing this. You know, there's a $5 fee to, to get your groceries. But I say, I don't I don't peruse around the grocery store, you know, seeing like the crazy candy that just came out or whatnot. Um, I'm not 
buying as much processed food because those tend to be more expensive. When I tell some of my patients how much we actually spend on groceries every week, they're pretty surprised because we have that perception that uh, fruits and vegetables are expensive. Eating healthy is expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, these Cheetos are way cheaper. Uh, totally not true. You know, like consuming Cheetos is a total waste. There's, there's nothing good about it. And so you've just spent like three or $4 on nothing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but good taste, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I really, I've enjoyed meal prepping. I, uh, I, tr- every week I try to do like one newer recipe. I try not to do like the same things every time. Um, and I, I make all my son's lunches for his preschool and yeah, he's, he's three and a half now and he's really cute. You know, we went out to a Mexican restaurant last night and I shared some of my burrito with him and he goes, mama, is this tortilla vegan? Mama, is this, are these beans vegan? I was like, you know, we're both vegan, right? <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. But, but I'm pretty proud of him, like inquiring and asking those questions, you know, and I'm sure he does the same at preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've enjoyed doing that every week. And it's made my life so much easier because that I don't spend as much money going out to eat during lunches. Plus, I for the majority of the time, I rarely leave my work during lunch because I'm still kind of working. So that would take away that time if I did that. Yeah. And one of the ways that we can promote habit is to have a reward built in. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the rewards of batch cooking and prepping your meals ahead of time is because it's easier. You have something ready. Mm-hmm. Your kitchen stays clean yeah. like all week mm-hmm. instead of having to like every day get everything out, yeah. make it, mm-hmm. wash out all the dishes. Everything is ready for you just to pull mm-hmm. out. And it just really feels like it saves so much time and makes the whole week just mm-hmm. relaxing. So it might be difficult those first couple of weeks just to get into that new routine. Yeah. But once you're in it, don't you feel like it's really True. rewarding? Yes. That's great. And I've seen your pictures. She likes to post her pictures of her batch cooking every week and make me jealous and want to go over to her house and eat that food. So it's, it's a wonderful habit to have. What motivates you to do the work that you do, both in your lactation consultant part, but also just being a pediatric nurse practitioner? What motivates you to do that work? You know, I, I can't say, you know, I have a relative that was an awesome nurse that I look up to then, you know, I want to do the same thing they do. You know, I, I, I went into nursing and I don't know if this plays into it. A lot of nurses are typically the oldest child in the family. So I had some of those caretaking abilities with my three siblings. Um, as far as what I do currently in, 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 in Yakima Valley in particular, I just, I see deficiencies. I see obesity. I see diabetic kids. I see, um, you know, chronic constipated kids. And then I see all these breastfeeding difficulties and I just try to fill those holes. Like, how do we fix this? You know, this kid hasn't been seen in three years and there's 10 different problems we haven't addressed in forever. How do we, how do we fix that? How do we see them more regularly so we can you know, help this kid not be depressed or, or whatever may be going on. So I try to be a little bit of an expert in a lot of little different things mm-hmm. so I can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so breastfeeding was, was one of my initial ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So bringing more health and joy Mm -hmm. into these children's lives. Mm -hmm. And it is some days it can feel like it's an uphill battle. Yeah. But whenever you have those success stories, it's very gratifying. Mm -hmm. And you know that you can change the trajectory of a child's life by influencing them from this position. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for being that brave warrior out Mm -hmm. there. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful to have you and for you to be my friend. Thank you. And I'd love to know, is there a way for listeners to connect with you if they resonate with your message and want to learn more about what you do? Well, I'm not as, I don't have like a business social media page per se, like some of your previous speakers, but um, one of our pediatric nurse practitioners and I just kind of launched a Instagram page. It's called Yak Peds NP. So a shortened version of Yakma, Yak Peds NP. And I've, I, I just post different food-based things, articles pertaining to children, um, really anything pertaining to health um, and, and focusing more on kids. And so you're more than welcome to follow us. We haven't promoted it really just yet, but um, it's, it's, it's there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I'll put a link to that Instagram cool. account and I will follow it as well. Yeah, Make you. sure we can share some of that stuff. So thank you, Irma. This has been wonderful. Thanks I'm really me. grateful and I really appreciate all the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll have a plantastic day. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggiefitkids, or you can email me at veggiedoctor, V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast, and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again, and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.